Hi everybody, I'm Jim Ford. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 47. What do we got, Dan? Uh, well, we got we got the biggies tonight. We got Green Lantern Core 45, Green Lantern 51, and Blackest Night 7. So this episode's gonna be like four hours long? <laughs> For everyone at home, it'll seem like longer. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, fun stuff. Oh, I, I just realized we didn't discuss who was going to be giving the synopsis for each book. I'll do, I'll do for, I'll do Green Lantern Corps, and which which of the other two do you want more? Well, I'd rather take Green Lantern Corps actually. Really? Yeah. All right. And <laughs> do you want me to do the other two? Sure. All right. Why not? <laughs> Yay! Less work for me. Just looking at it, these covers are packed with people. This is insane. Somebody on the forums mentioned this, and it's actually really cool that they both like they're like reverse of the same theme. Yeah, like a, a wall of uh, people going up against one one character. Because if you put them next to each other, it's guys on the left versus the group on the right, and Hal is on the right versus the group on the left. Yeah, and it's all dark behind them, and um. Before we do this, uh, first we should talk about our sponsor, ArobaSilver.com, everybody. We've, we've, we've really, we've said this enough times where you should know. I mean, come on. Unless this is your first time listening to the Lantern cast, in which case, you know, God help you. (laughs) (laughs) ArobaSilver.com, they make rings, they make a lot of silver jewelry, a lot of it is comic-themed, you can get all sorts of different superhero rings, but especially the Green Lantern rings. They come in all different sizes, all different shapes. Well, not really shapes. They're all rings. Well, I guess they are kind of circle, but, you know, <laughs> the stuff on top can be different shapes. They're different colors, different designs. They're they're really great. you got to check it out. Arobasilver.com. If you type in the code DSC10, you'll save 10%. So go check them out. And we are, we're, 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 we're almost announcing a, a winner to our contest. <laughs> See, the, the big flaw in this whole contest idea is that we have to agree on who wins. So yeah. next week, next week, everybody, next week. Yes. And I, I know we said this week and before that we said like three weeks ago, but you know what? It's our contest. We'll get to it. <laughs> yes. And next week we'll, we will also have details on our next contest what yeah that's right what the hell are we doing i haven't decided yet but there's definitely going to be another contest and it's going to be announced next week why are we doing it so soon because having contests back to back is awesome that no it's not look how look at what pain in the ass this one is well no it's not it's not awesome for us it's awesome for them the listeners I know! I'm focused internally right now. <laughs> Listen, Orange Lantern Dan. God. Oh. I'm so pissed they didn't make an orange battery prop. You have no idea. Uh, not yet. But we'll see. Okay, so, Green Lantern Core number 45. This is by Peter J. Tomasi and... Patrick Gleason. You didn't know that? God first, damn it. Uh, the first name, the first name. Uh, I, I wanted to say Jackie for a second. 
That's weird. Jackie Gleason. Is that like some sports guy or music guy or something? Let's I... let's let's just continue. The four the foramites will uh will have you on that one. <laughs> you know, somebody yelled at you for colors. All right. I, I think they were yelling at you for colors. Oh, and then you were like, I've never seen it either, and so they, were, they went after you as well. Okay, Green Lantern Corps 45. In this issue, we have a Red Lantern Guy Gardner fighting the Green Lantern Corps. There's lots of fighting, lots and lots of fighting. Everybody's fighting Guy Gardner. They want to try and, like, reel him in because he's just running amok with his, his red light. And... Nothing's really working until finally Mogo just kind of like uh, bitch slaps Guy and causes him to kind of relive all of uh, the events in his life that have gotten him to the point that he's at, both good and bad. And, you know, while while Mogo is, you know, doing this and making Guy focus on himself, the rest of the core are trying to you know, knock out his red constructs to try and help him overcome it and help his willpower side, you know, take over. And finally, they get Guy restrained, and Kyle is just, like, you know, he's coming up with any excuse he can to try and figure out a way to save Guy, but Guy's, you know, heart has stopped working because the ring's taken over. So the only thing that's going to help him is a blue ring. And just before they have to kind of make the decision to kill Guy, Mogo just says, uh, okay, that's it, I'm going to take over here. And he absorbs Guy's rage and filters Guy's blood for him so that his heart will start working again. And somehow that actually works. (laughs) And the red ring comes off. Guy is back to his old normal self. The only little catch is that there's still going to be some uh, trace amounts of the Red Lantern blood in him, so that may have some sort of uh, negative effect later on. And just as that happens, they get a uh, a call that there's a bunch of Indigo Lanterns popping up on Oa at the uh, central power battery, because they were all on Mogo just a second ago. They all head back over to Oa, meet up at the power battery, the Indigo Lanterns there kind of fill in all the Green Lanterns as far as how they're going to have to all shift over to Earth, transport over, and save everybody from all the Black Lanterns. So they kind of recharge, and the Indigo Lanterns teleport everybody now to Earth. I would like you to explain to me how your summary of this issue was longer than four sentences. <laughs> I kind of surprised myself on that one. Because, like, I mean, all right. This, like, yeah, I don't know. I agree. Like, all right, let's focus on the best part of the issue. This is an awesome cover. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, um. I mean, yeah, I mean, Guy Gardner is now basically Blood Brothers with a planet, which is awesome for how high concept and cool it is. And, like, some interesting stuff went on. But it's like... I don't know. And and I do like seeing Mogo do these, like, weird big things. Because, to me, it just reinforces Mogo as this this force to be reckoned with. 
like we finally got to see Mogo shoot a big honk and blast at somebody, so I was happy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Here's my issue with this issue. Last last time, in Green Lantern Corps 44, you had Mogo take care of all the Black Lanterns. And, like, that was something that I totally didn't see coming, and it was awesome. You know, coming up with that, you know, that thing for Mogo to do was very cool. Now, and, and, you know, it was completely out of the blue, and it was very original. It was great. This issue, now all of a sudden Mogo, you know, uh, cures Guy of his, his red rage blood. And, you know, basically makes him normal again. Now, it's like, okay, I, I understand that of anybody Mogo can do this. But it's, it's, not, it's not as original after Mogo just handled all the problems from the last issue. It's like, well, yeah, just, you know, call in Mogo and everything's better. You know, it's like, it's almost like a, what is it, a, a, a due, eh. A, a deus ex uh, machina? Yeah. I think it's how you say. Yeah, I think it's pronounced a little differently. But, like, now it's like the deus ex Mogo. Just call in Mogo and, you know, he handles all your problems. Mogo MacGuffin. I almost feel like no matter what they did, it would probably feel kind of like that. Like, if they had Miri do something that worked. Oh, yeah. We would be sitting here saying, like, what? Okay, so she brought Kyle back to life, and she saved Guy. And, like, you know, if they did the thing where they actually got the blue ring, we would have been like, oh, this blue ring just happens to be in the right place at the right time. How convenient. So it's like, I don't know. Well, the thing is, with if they had all of a sudden pulled the blue ring out of nowhere... I I wouldn't have had an issue with that, because I thought the blue ring idea was really, like, the most logical. And it really would have been the coolest to see them follow up on that other plot line. Yeah, I think the key here is that whatever they did, they had to resolve the guy Red Lantern issue so that he could show up as a Green Lantern in Blackest Night before it ended. Oh, yeah. It's like the way they're collecting these, Green Lantern Corps is getting its own trade, and Blackest Night is getting its own trade. Yeah. So they kind of... It's kind of like how, like, like we'll see it later, but the, the parallax thing in Green Lantern, that came and went in such a way that if you were reading just the Blackest Night miniseries, you wouldn't know it happened. Right. So I, I think it was just like, okay, we have to resolve this now. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Which thing? So this this has been like this this story this Blackest Night ch- I guess chapter yeah. over in Green Lantern Four has been really good up until up until like this very issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one was kind of kind of weak. Although we did because it's Gleason, we got another awesome Miri shot of her doing something cool with energy. Yeah. That uh. The panel where she's throwing her tether at Guy and the reader. Yeah, I, sh- she was a little, a little more cartoony in this this panel that she usually is. I think. Eh, cartoony is good. Still good. Um, what do you think of the two page spread with all the red and green images? That could have been more impressive. I'll, <laughs> I'll put it that way. Yeah, that, that that's my thoughts exactly. Cause I mean, like I can, I'm looking through and I recognize basically 
like most of them. Yeah. But, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know if they should have had more detail or if they should have crammed in more images or, yeah. or what. I would say more detail because you have like this one scene where I, I'm suspecting that it's Guy going up against uh, Mongol. It basically just looks like a big giant like round clay face. And the only thing that would, you know, imply that it is Mogo, or Mogo, Mongol, is like, you know, the line on his head. It's, you know, it's very, very, you know, loose, loosely drawn, very basic, very little detail. Yeah. Hey, what do you think of the actual, um, the whole thing with the transfusion? Do you think, like, that should have worked, that shouldn't have worked? Uh. I mean, like, at this point, it's Mogo. Is there really anything that Mogo can't do if Mogo wants to? Fint a nice pair of slacks? <laughs> I guess it makes sense. Like, the Red Ring got rid of his blood, so Mogo gave him new blood. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I could see that the antibodies would start his heart up again. I mean, yeah, it's like, when you have the willpower of a living planet, then really, yeah, okay, you you would be able to, you know, do just about anything. This is probably the grossest thing I've seen in Green Lantern yet. Yeah, worms crawling in. Yeah, like, I mean, what did Mogo do? He he like like flooded every cell of guy's body with like leeches or something. Yeah. I mean, I want to be alive and everything, but Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of sucky. Now. Now, here is, here's the catch. Here's the little, you know, thing. It's like, they they put this in to, clearly, to just, like, be able to do something with Guy later on. And that's the whole, you know, Mogo gives Guy the warning. I have done all that I can, yet there are still trace amounts of toxic Red Lantern blood coursing through your system. As the Indigo Lantern stated, only the light of a Blue Lantern can completely eradicate the exposure to a Red Ring. You know what they're going to do with this? Here's what they're going to do with this. They're going to play with the concept of, you know, Guy being being the hothead versus Guy, you know, having his crap together. And if he doesn't keep himself in control, he's going to, like, revert back to some degree of Red Lantern-ness and... He's he's gonna be like a wear lantern or something without the fuzzy. Now, that's that's not what I think is gonna happen. What do you think is gonna happen? I think that the reason that they did that was so that when they start writing him like he used to be uh, in the new J- JLI book, when they start you know writing him as his old you know jackass self, it'll actually have some sort of bearing you know in the comics because oh. Yeah, he's acting like that again because of Red Lantern blood in his system. I still say we don't know for sure that they're going to revert him back to that. Because I mean, I mean, all right, it's I might I might see it if it was just Keith Giffen writing that that series, but it's Keith Giffen plus Judd Winnick and like Judd Winnick. Like first of all, I don't know if I've ever ever seen him write Guy Gardner. But from what I have read of his work, he doesn't have the same kind of of approach to characters that 
Keith does. He certainly doesn't have the history with them that Keith does. So it's it's not going to be as straight up like as if Keith Giffen was writing the book take on this. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But I like I am afraid that that's why they put that in there. Um, on the last page, the Indigo Lanterns, as they're you know teleporting everybody to Earth. You, you Did you take that as Mogo was going as well? I didn't initially, but it makes sense. Hmm. And I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> yes, that would be cool. And you know what else is stupid? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the whole... The whole, like, like, I can't cure you completely, but a blue ring can. And guy, like, like five seconds later is on Earth, or, like, next to Earth, with, like, a half dozen blue lanterns, and he's not gonna stop and say, Hey, elephant face, by the way, I have some freaking poison inside of me that only you can cure. Would you mind helping me? <laughs> Well, the elephant guy might think he's coming on to him then. Whatever, man. Like, I got some poison in me that only you can cure. I think Guy would take one for the team if it if it meant getting rid of like the horrific fire blood poison. <laughs> I don't think so. This is Guy Gardner we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah, this was this was definitely not one of the uh, the better issues. This was more of like a get it done kind of issue. Yeah. Still look good though. Yeah, it was you know, it. I'll, I'll say this: a Green Lantern core issue that isn't as you know it, that that isn't as good as the rest of the Green Lantern core issues is still a lot better than most of the comics out there. Green Lantern fifty one now. Green Lantern fifty one by Jeff Johns and Doug Monkey. We open on like Black Hand just kind of taking in the atmosphere. He's he cracks a smile. He's really happy. And then. Then he gets interrupted by Larflees and Lex Luthor fighting over the orange battery. Parallax and the Spectre are going at it. Spectre is doing poorly until Parallax decides, you know, I'm, I'm busting you out. This whole Black Lantern thing, it's messing up my revenge killing. So I'm going to release you. And he does. So now you have the Spectre's free. He's, you know, he, he tries in vain to kill Parallax. Doesn't work. Which... You know, this, this shot of Parallax ripping the Spectre's face off. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Atrocitus kind of smacks the Spectre in the face, said, well, are you stupid? You're the Red Rage entity. Look. And he, he like, makes them all rage-like. Except, it turns out that the Spectre is not the Rage entity. <laughs> and uh, who could have possibly guessed? Then Spectre just kind of shakes it off grabs Parallax, tells Carol, here, hold this, and then rips Parallax out of Hal Jordan again. Uh, Parallax then just kind of randomly gets sucked away into the vacuum of space. Hector Hammond is upset about this. Uh, The Spectre discovers that, you know, surprise, surprise, he can't kill Necron, then kind of goes away. And, you know, let's say the world dies. All right, world dies. Yeah. Black Knight's over. No more DC. Well, not quite. Eh, more or less. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So, so a lot, a lot happened in this issue. 
Lex Luthor figures out like the uh, you know so some some details on the orange lantern. It makes sense too that it would be strongest if it's only. Well, it makes sense for two reasons. Like it's, it's he says it's it's at its strongest when it's wielded by one person. All right. On the one hand, it's like okay, you're it's the powers the most potent when it's all in one spot. Okay. The other hand, it's greed. So no matter what, it makes sense that, okay, it's strongest when it's one guy instead of sharing it. So I, I like that. Larfleet says to Lex, I have gone through such horrible things to possess this battery. I traded my birthright. I will take your life before you take the orange light. You do not know avarice. What What is his birthright? I don't know. Maybe that's foreshadowing. Ooh. Possibly. There's a really good thread going on on the forum right now all about Larflees and uh, the Orange Lanterns that uh, Chad started up. But since the forums are down, can't really comment on that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It'll be fine. Um, So, hey, let's... Let's go to the biggie here. The uh the red the big red thing. Oh, okay. Um before we do that, I just wanted to make a note that it looks like Tempest who was uh kind of like the the younger Aquaman person kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. His uh his connection is severed in this issue. Really? Yeah. Where the where? Okay, it's right after the double-page spread with Parallax going up against Black Lantern and Spectra. You have Mera, she's got her, like, red fire octopus grabbing Tempest. Oh, and Ray, yeah, wow. Yeah. Well, he wasn't a resurrected hero, was he? He was just a regular Black Lantern. Right. Okay, he'll be fine. Well, not necessarily. Nah, he'll be fine. Well... I mean, like, the, the point that I'm making is, if you look at all the the Black Lanterns that are still around, basically, like, when, when you, we get to Blackest Night number 7, you'll see, or even actually if you get to the end of this, the last page of this, look at the, the Black Lanterns that are still there. You have Aquaman, you have Green Arrow, Martian Manhunter, the Firestorm, the, the Hawks. Basically, like, the most important characters that you would want to be able to come back to life, you know? Hmm, yeah. Like, when Blackest Night is over, Aquaman is almost 100% going to be coming back. Probably Martian Manhunter 2, and it's very likely that the Hawks are coming back. So, you know, like, there's nothing to that says that, you know, Garth or, you know, Tempest was going to be coming back. And now I think this this definitely uh, makes it that much more difficult. Mm, maybe. Okay, so now that I pointed that out, okay, let's let's go. Let's talk about the rage entity. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that thing you were so sure about. Oh yeah, I was I was very very sure that. Well, they've been they've been foreshadowing the Spectra to be you know Spectra to be this this rage entity for. I don't know, as far back as Blackest Night number two when they referenced him in connection to Rage. Oh yeah, and, and Atrocitus agreed with you and he's like he's like, you know, he, what do you say about the Spectre? He was like 
It was like pure rage mixed with death or something. Yeah. Which, which you know, he took to mean, all right, there's a being of pure rage inside it, or it is an entity of rage or whatever. Turns out, Spectre's just like a big old pissed off dude. So. No, no. It's, he says, or Spectre, Spectre says, I am not the entity of rage you seek. I am God's rage, not yours. So as to say, like, there's a rage entity that's filled with rage, and then there's a whole nother, you know, god rage kind of thing that's completely different than emotional rage. But I know of the crimson creature of anger, Atrocitus. I have faced him. If you seek him out, he will destroy you. So it's somebody or something that the specter has gone up against in the past. Which doesn't mean it's anything that's been printed before, but... Oh, I mean, come on. I really, really, really loathe the idea of any of these entities being something... Be Like, I don't want them to be, to be just retconned existing stuff. That is so incredibly cheap to me. Like, I was so happy that it was not the Spectre because of that. Because it's like, okay, now they're just, they're going to take something that they've had forever and say, oh, by the way, it was really this. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you have... Okay, if, it, if they reveal that the Rage Entity is actually Eclipso, who was at one time God's Rage, but got cast out. Now, you have a character that's completely made up of Rage. You take out you know, the, the the god connection, and now he's, he's like a character of rage, and also, like, you know, the, the feeling of not being wanted and, you know, not being needed or anything like that anymore. It's like, that, that's got to amp up your rage. It's like, to me, like, okay, if it's not going to be the Spectre, then, to me, the next best choice would be Eclipso, who was at one point, you know, had the job of the Spectre. Why can't it just be sane amount of ambient rage just kind of coalesced into something and came to life? Well, because of the fact that that's not how it happened with, like, all of the other entities that we've seen thus far have a root in, like, you know, the DC mythos. Uh, all right, when we when we saw pa- all right, Parallax Parallax was the first one we got, and Parallax was like a bl- it was a blatant retcon. Mm-hmm. They they're like okay, it, we used to think okay it it was originally just Hal Jordan went loopy, called himself Parallax for no good reason. Then they decided, okay, he he called himself that because the entity was named Parallax and went into him, but the entity itself still came from, like, from ambient fear coalescing and coming to life. So it, 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 I, like, Hal Jordan himself was not always Parallax, you know? Right, but just like that, Eclipso himself was not always the rage entity. It would be the, the rage that, you know, the ambient rage that, like, a near, you know, deity-level power, power source character you know, generates 
when something like that happens, when he's cast out. That's a lot of rage. Yeah, I, I, I really I don't think they're going to take their non-Green Lantern characters and tie them into Green Lantern like that. Because, mm. like, I mean, something that occurred to me uh, the other day, I was watching that, um, you know, the the Crisis on Two Earths DVD had the um, the Spectre fifteen minute short on it. Oh, I didn't watch that part yet. Uh, it's amazing. You, it's, and I was watching that, and it hit me like, okay, you know what? This is the kind of thing that would be more difficult for them to do. They do, DC doesn't really want, uh, how to say it. They want simplified characters. Yeah, they want simplified characters that they can put put out there in other media. Like, like what's the go-to example Dan DiDio always uses? Where, like, like he's at a, an amusement park at a Superman ride, and it had a cutout of Supergirl, and it gave her origin and backstory of how... And it's this whole big convoluted thing about angels and slime people and whatever. <laughs> when it could be just, you know what? Supergirl is Superman's cousin. There. And you know what? You want to use the Spectre? You want to use, you want to have the Spectre show up in cartoons or shorts or movies or whatever? The Spectre works nice and simple. Simple. Spear of Vengeance bonded to a, the soul of a dead human roaming the earth, punishing the the wicked. Okay, there. There's your Spectre right there. It it's it's simple. It's iconic. Like like you're you made the argument yourself before when you talked about like wh- who they're going to revive after Blackest Night. They're going for their iconic interpretations of the characters and their their big standout characters. So it's like why why would they at the same time be taking characters that are not lantern related and retconning the hell out of them to make them be lantern related? It's it seems like counterproductive to me. Well, the reason that they might do that is to reinvigorate a character that has not had much luck recently as they tried to bring them back to where they used to be. Like, for instance, look at Eclipso. They decided to try and, like, update it with uh, Jean Loring, Adam's wife, who had killed Sue Dibney? Sue. Yeah, Sue Dibney. Like, they made her Eclipso, and it was, like, this long, like, just horrendous story. Like, it was it was horrible. That whole thing was just horrible. And that didn't work out at all. Then they had a miniseries where they kind of took the power away from her, or she died, and they tried to give it back to the original guy. So I, I think that's kind of where it's been left off. But, you know, that that series did not really do too well. So they haven't really picked up on it since. So, you know, I mean, you have this character who, if you say Eclipso to somebody that knows DC, they recognize the name. But, like, you know, nowadays it's like, Nothing nothing good has really been done with the character. So to make Eclipso into the Rage Entity, you know, or, hey, even if it's somebody else, some other villain that the Spectre has, you know, faced in the past, some demon or some weird creature or whatever like that, you know, like, nobody knows all of the Spectre's villains. You know, you'd have to be, like, really into the Spectre to know all of the Spectre's villains. So if they just pull somebody out of 
you know, the Spectre, as when he was Hal Jordan, that he went up against, that was filled with rage, well, they're never going to take that character and put it in an animated film. So to take that character and retcon it into the rage entity, it ties it in, you know, and without taking away from properties that they could commercialize. Yeah, but think about that, though. That's not a John's thing to do. Because, like, what does Jeff Johns always do? If he reaches back and pulls an obscure character to the forefront, he does so in such a way to show you why that character was always awesome to begin with. He wouldn't do it to to retcon in a reason why you should care about the character. Like, I've never seen him do that. I mean, look at look at the JSA, look at Green Lantern, look at... Well, look at the Predator. The freaking, look at the freaking Flash rogues, Jesus. But look at look at the Predator. I'm reserving judgment on that because we don't... Right now, all we know is that it has the name in common with the thing. Oh, come so on. So I want to see, see what they do. I want to see how it plays. Really? I mean, like, if, you, if you've read any of the stories with the Predator in it... Which I have not. Oh, you haven't read any of them? <laughs> uh, no. Oh, well, the Predator was basically, like, the Star Sapphire, like, a, like a, an aspect of the Star Sapphire... It was the male aspect, which is it's an interesting concept in and of itself with the whole Star Sapphire Coral being women. But it was like the like kinda like the counterbalance of like like the the, the vicious side of love almost. Well then how big of a change is this? That's like Well, it's not, but you took a character that was I don't know, more irritating than anything else and turned it into this, you know, this entity of love. So that's like taking a character that, you know, was not, definitely not known for its awesomeness and, and making you remember how awesome it is. It's taking a character that nobody really cared much about and making it awesome. You know, taking an old idea and reinvigorating it so that it is awesome. Yeah, but if it was already part of the Star Sapphire... And there's and they've come around and say, you know what, Star Sapphire Core now. It was only a matter of figuring out how it fits into that puzzle to begin with because it's already connected to it. Right. Whereas, you know, you're you're not. That's different from taking like like. It's it's different from saying like you know what, the Riddler is the greed entity, where you're just taking a random character that doesn't get like. He gets used, but you know what I mean. Who doesn't get used a whole lot and saying, like, you know what? This is what this guy is and probably always was. Well, I don't know, because if you have this entity of rage that is the Spectre, and he, he willingly admits that he is God's rage, then, you know, you're you're already tying the Spectre into rage just not emotional rage. So... How... What? That makes no sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Like, he says, I'm God's rage, not yours. And the next one, he's... he's In the next... The very next panel, he says, it's true. I fear you and your kind. I fear the primitive power of emotions. Okay. So you're, you're taking that to mean that God's rage is not emotional rage. God's rage is definitely different than emotional rage. I don't 
think that's what he said at all. Really? Alright, alright, look. He said, alright, he's talking to Parallax. He says, it's true, I fear you and your kind. I fear... Alright, let, let, let's let's look at that. Alright, that right there, he says he fears the entities. Right. Alright? Okay. I fear the primitive power of emotions. That right there means I fear the entities. Right. He's saying that he fears the entity, like, he fears the Red Rage entity, because the Red Rage entity has so much concentrated rage in it that it's a force that can beat the Spectre. It doesn't have anything to do with whether or not it's the... It's, it, it doesn't matter where the rage comes from. It's just the quantity of power the entity has scares the Spectre. That's all. You know, this this is interesting because this brings up a concept that I think we may have mentioned once before. And as far as if you have concentrated emotion, you know, for, for the same emotion happening in two different places, do you get two entities? I still say yes. I, th- I think it's it would be unlikely just because there would be there would have to be an insane amount of it. To manifest a single entity. So. If that's the case, then if you have God's rage, nay, you're talking about the rage of a God. And not, not just a God, but like the God, like supposedly like the God of DC Comics. You know, it's, it's, it's concentrated in this character, and he's not the entity. Then that's like an insane amount of rage. Are you trying to find a backdoor into saying the Spectre is still a rage entity? No, no, definitely not. But what I am saying is that I, I'm just trying to classify that the the rage that is in the Spectre is a different type of rage than, you know, Atrocitus powers his ring by. That's that's what I think. I mean, I think it's 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 splitting hairs. I mean, it's it's it is it, it's saying like you're trying to say like. Rage is or is not an emotion depending on who it is feeling it. It's like that's no, come on. I think we're gonna have to just agree to disagree on this one until we find out more information. I mean, that's like saying if there if there was a race of microscopic people, yep, maybe they hang out with the atom. Who knows? If if there was a race of microscopic people that worshipped Atrocitus. And these microscopic people are capable of feeling rage, too. Is their rage somehow different from the rage Atrocitus feels? Like, is it is it not an emotion when they feel it versus when he feels it? No, no, and absolutely not. And that's not what I'm trying to imply. What I'm trying to imply is that the specter is... He's filled with, like, a holy rage as opposed to this emotional rage. And I think that there are two different things, and that's why the Red Ring won't work on a trust on a, the Spectre. I don't like it. <laughs> you may not. You, you don't have to like it. You just have to accept that it's my theory. No, oh, I I accept you being wrong all the time. That's all right. Oh boy. Oh, was there was there anything else? Yeah. Was there anything else worth talking about? Oh yeah, something enormous. Oh, yeah, the Parallax thing? Yeah, Parallax all of a sudden just goes, uh, let me go, and pop, he's gone. 
and Hector Hammond's like Hector Hammond's still in his hospital prison dealy. Yeah. He I still wanna know what the hell he knew during Rebirth, goddammit. Because <laughs> he was all like remember in Green Lantern Rebirth, he had like that one page where he was like like they're coming, they're or they're coming back or something, and we never really found out for sure what the hell he was talking about. I think he was talking about the gremlins that were going to be coming back like six issues later. Eh, maybe I don't know. I don't feel satisfied. Mm-hmm. Um, notice his uh, his thought bubbles. What color they are? They're kind of tannish. They're orange. Come on. <laughs> I hope when he gets his orange ring, he has it for like a page. And then it goes away. Yeah. Like 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 the first time the scarecrow got his. Just so I can be like, ha, look at that, huh? I don't think that's gonna happen. Notice the choice of words though. It has parallax. Yes. What's what's your uh, your theory on that? I don't know. I th- the biggest question that I'm trying to figure out right now is does that mean someone is coll- is rounding up entities, or that someone needed parallax? I think, I, and again, I, I posted this on the forums, which are down, so I can't go back to it. But I, I think very simply that this is setting up, well, I mean, obviously it's setting up a future story. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, that much is obvious. I think the future story that it's setting up is the uh oh, what's the name now star evil star i think evil star is collecting the entities why would he be doing that well like we saw evil star in the you know in whatever issue that was six or seven or something like that where he was yeah working on the black hand and it's like dissecting him or something yeah yeah he was searching for the black within him and they they made another reference when they were recruiting the third member of the Blue Lantern Corps. Oh yeah, about how her planet needs to be saved from Evil Star right. or something. And yeah, so we know that Evil Star is like a really big thing to be reckoned with. And I think the Guardians kind of have stayed out of his way, you know, basically at this point, right? As far as I know, this is the first time he's even come up in the series. Yeah, that black hand issue. So, I, I think they, yeah, I think there was some sort of, uh, I don't know, treaty or something where they didn't really interfere with Evil Star. Well, that always goes well. Yeah. Well, well, we know what's going to happen to the Guardians. So, I think that they're they're basically just giving little hints here and there as far as what's going to end up happening. Now, I think he he took Parallax. I think he probably already has the Predator. You know, I bet you the Predator decided to, you know, finally broke free of uh, Zamoron and got sucked right up. And the third entity that we know of is currently stuck in a star. Oh, yeah. So, Evil Star, I mean, right there. I don't well and and the final thing is Hector Hammond was tested on by Evil Star. It was Evil Star's gremlins, his little starlings that that you know kind of messed with his brain even more. So if anybody is going to be keeping a track on what Evil Star is doing, it's the big brain Hector Hammond. Hmm. 
You know, I just had a thought. I just keep looking at this this bubble that says it has parallax. Right. What if? Because we've there's been a lot of discussion. Is the orange entity in Larfleeze? Is the orange entity in Larfleeze's battery? What if it's not? What if the orange entity is out there somewhere, and because it is the the greed entity, it's collecting the other entities? Maybe it wants to eat them. I don't know. Because like it's not even like because Hector Hammond. Like I can't get over this one word. Because like I feel like if it was Evil Star doing this, he would. Hector Hammond would have said, you know, he has parallax. Because that still wouldn't, that would be ambiguous enough that it wouldn't give anything away. He wouldn't have had to say it. Unless Evil Star has kind of like ascended to some sort of alternate level, and now he's no longer like a person, now he's an it. Or maybe, maybe DC hates me and they decided to put the, the orange entity in Evil Star. So there you go. <laughs> Um, does Evil Does Evil Star have powers? I don't even know. I don't think I read anything with him either. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think he gets his powers from a star. Or he kills stars to get energy or something like that. That seems rather powerful for Evil Star. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but he is very powerful. I, you know, I kind of think that the orange entity is going to be in either Larflees or the orange power battery. And I think that, like, when Evil Star or whoever comes to finally claim, like, the last one in orange, like, that's when everybody's going to be like, hey, you know, okay, Larflees is a jerk, but we better go try and save him from whatever's going on over there. Oh, Larflees. What I will say is that the... You know, if you're collecting all the entities, then uh, you might be a force to be reckoned with if you were going up against somebody else who had the combined powers of all the colors. Uh. Well, what happens when you combine all colors of visible light? Oh, you're talking about, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh. Um, I'm sorry, I was, I was distracted. <laughs> by the thought of like, like Larfleeze, uh, Atrocis, and Saint Walker just like, like, driving cross country, just hard traveling heroes too. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Saint Walker would always want to stop and ask for directions. It would be great. <laughs> I would read that. Me too. I like uh, I like the one of the final pages. Hal Jordan looks up at the specter and says, not trying to order you around, big guy, but we could use a hand. <laughs> I love the specter's, like, what the fuck face when he, when he just realizes he can't do anything to Necron. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, ah, hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, that, like, you, you can tell it's like, uh-oh, you know, here's the specter and... He's used to things, you know, going his way, and now all of a sudden he puts up his hand and nothing's happening. Oh, um, I just don't want to forget to make mention again. The, um, the page, the full page splash where Parallax rips the Spectre away from his Black Lantern self mm -hmm. is a, it's a nice, like, little, little homage to the, uh, the, pa the page in Rebirth, 
where the Spectre ripped Hal Jordan away from Parallax. <laughs> nice. Oh, one one other thing that I noticed. If you look throughout the whole issue, you have the um, like the chest plate, the chest circle on Parallax is glowing green. And the only time that it starts glowing yellow is when Par- uh, the Spectre is uh, tearing him away from Hal Jordan. Yeah, that's something I was a little disappointed in. Like, I was hoping that we would kind of get in Parallax's head a little more here mm. and see, like, like maybe Hal was in in control more, you know? You know, I, I have a feeling that Hal definitely had more control here because of the fact that he was able to... Like, his mission was to get rid of the, the Black Lantern aspect of the Spectre. Like, that's what Hal wanted to do. So he he took he took on Parallax, and Parallax is like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do this because you're my enemy, and I have to do this before I take my revenge on you. So it's almost like Hal kind of like tricked Parallax into doing what he wanted to do, you know, because you know by telling it, you know, okay, we have to do this because of this, and Parallax is like, oh yeah, good, that'll cause fear, and Parallax went along with it. I love when uh <laughs> that that disgusting panel where Spectre's face gets ripped off. You can see his host Christmas Allen in his eyeball. Oh yeah, yeah. Just kind of trying to get out. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Like help! Oh God, help! <laughs> I'm in here. <laughs> oh, um, I think we got everything on that. That's it. Blackest Night, number seven. This is by Jeff Johns, Evan Hayes, Eau Claire Albert, others. <laughs> who, who did the Alex and Claire on colors? Yep. All right. So Necron gets attacked by everybody. Everybody being, you know, the, uh, the uh, Light Brigade and their deputies. Uh, not doing anything. Then Black Hand shows up and decides to just stop everyone. And there's this cool scene with like hands reaching up out of the ground and grabbing everybody. Uh, meanwhile, Luther gets Luther like just just starts this infighting where he decides he wants everyone else's rings, and that's a bad time. <laughs> you know, up above Earth, John Stewart's trying to hold back like a couple billion Black Lanterns by himself when. The Indigo people teleport in the full roster of all seven seven cores right there. Uh, I don't see Mogo, but, you know, doesn't mean anything. You know, none of them want to work with the. Well, first of all, I don't think any of them knew the other groups were coming, so they don't... They're they're almost about to fight each other, but... You know, they, they, they pull together. Enemy of my enemy is my friend and all that. Back on Earth, Dove, who's still glowing all white and stuff is just kind of kind of trying to disrupt the black central battery the same way she has she's been doing to black lanterns and you know it sends like some energy through it but it doesn't really do anything except we get to see like the anti-monitor who's been stuck in there trying to get out it's this weird like you know pushing your face against a sheet kind of kind of effect with the side of the battery it's weird um necron kills a guardian 
Wait, does he? Yeah. Necron kills a guardian. Black Hand performs a ritual. Necron proclaims trespasser rise. The ground bursts open and we get the white entity of presumably life. And Necron takes his big old scythe, which has been just for show up till now, and just keeps hitting it, hitting the entity with it. And every time he does, every living thing, presumably in the universe, feels pain. And, and you know, Sinestro, he, 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 he's had enough. He's had enough with all the lies, with all of the cover-ups with all this this he's he's just had it so he he knocks hal to the side flies at the white entity demands its power and emerges in a blinding flash of light as a white lantern and destiny awaits you go uh, um <laughs> white lantern there's a white lantern. There is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I can't, I can't really. How do you, how do you describe something like that? There's a, there's a white lantern. It makes me happy. No, that's good. Makes me very happy. How about you? I was, ah, uh, I was kind of, eh, on the whole issue. <laughs> We pointed out last time I got the end of the issue spoiled for me and I saw what Sinestro looks like and all that. And I, you know, granted, that's not the only big thing that happens in here. But I already knew exactly what the last page was going to be. I knew that the White Lantern was going to be unveiled. So it was just kind of a matter of, well, how are we going to get there? So when I turned the page and I saw the White Entity, I didn't expect it, but my initial reaction was just kind of, Oh, that makes sense. White Lantern and all. <laughs> so I was like, ah, I don't know. And all right, let me ask you about this. Okay. Is the gar? Are we to understand that the Guardians' ultimate lie is that life began on Earth, not on, I guess, Maltus? Yes. All right. That fell completely flat for me. The re- reason being. <laughs> and I think I said this before on the show, is that, from my memory, it's always been a part of the mythos that the Guardians were were said to be, like, some of the oldest living things in the universe or whatever. I don't remember it ever being directly stated that they were the oldest until very recently. Probably, like, until... I mean, I'm sure it, mu- it must have come up during the series at some point leading up to this, yes. but... The, but the first one that really jumped out at me, and I think I even made note of it, was when we were reading Blackest Night number, like, five, maybe, where it said it on the first page, and I, I kind of perked up. I'm like, what? Really? Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of that before. So when they turn around and say, like, you know, the Guardian's ultimate lie is that life didn't begin on Maltus, it began on Earth. I'm like, well, I just found out, like, five minutes ago that life supposedly began on Maltus, so... You're telling me that's not true. All right, whatever. <laughs> um, no, I, I think that they've they've mentioned that a couple of times in the past. Was it all in like the Jeff Johns era, or was it before that? Because 
I can't say for certain. I think there is a chance that it may have popped up before that, that they were, like, you know, the, the first race, and that's why they had so much time to, you know, get to where they are in terms of, you know, being the highest order of life and stuff like that, and being immortal and harnessing all the energy for willpower and everything like that. Yeah. I don't know, it just, it didn't feel big enough, and it, I mean, when all said and done, depending on, on where this goes, it could be, but, uh, I don't know, it just didn't feel big. Well, I, but here's here's the most important thing. The most important thing is, I guessed it. Didn't you guess that Earth was Maltus? Well, I believe, I guessed that, you know, that their, the homeworld was actually Earth. Oh, I guess that would make... Oh, I guess that does make the Guardians Earthlings, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what Hal has to look forward to. <laughs> it's gonna be blue. <laughs> so, so that was pretty awesome. Alright, so, so, what it is now is that, okay, life began on Earth, the Guardians were the first living things, the... You know, Earth is kind of a touchstone to access the white entity because that's where life began. Well, that's where life began, but they also, like, what did they, they, I think they, they buried the entity in the Earth to keep it hidden and safe so that life could exist everywhere else. Like, I didn't take it like the entity was physically inside the structure of the planet or anything like that. Did you? Um, I guess not. No, not that it was physically there. Like, if you buried, like, if you dug a hole, you weren't going to reach the White Lantern. Yeah, no, like, like it was more, it was like a summoning spell kind of thing. Where like, like, this is a place that's associated with it strongly, and here's the remains of a being that's associated with it strongly, and you use that, and you can call it forth there. Right. Whereas you couldn't do the same thing on, like, Saturn or something. Well, if you had done it on Maltus, where they had wanted everybody to believe life had begun, it would not have worked. Okay. And so basically the whole... It actually does kind of amp up their Guardian title a little, because, like... Their whole lie was basically to protect the universe by saying, like, like, yeah, no, that's that's a stupid little backwater planet. Look over here instead. Yeah, yeah. Now, one interesting thing that I was uh, picking up on was, okay, so Abin Sir knew about this somehow. Oh. Oh, man. Abin Sir knew about the white entity. How do you figure? Well, well, listen to what, what Sinestro says. Abin Sir, when he was dying, he knew all of this, didn't he? He knew about Parallax being buried, uh, being buried in the central power, power battery. He knew about the the massacre of Sector Six Six X, which he would know both of those things easily because of Atrocitus. And, I mean, like, to, like, with all their, you know, let's, for the sake of argument, let's assume that Abin Sir knew of all of this. 
and he knew of the lie, and that's why he went to Earth to, I don't know, protect or find out about the entity or something like that. But if Abin Sir knew about all this, and Abin Sir is the savior of the Indigo Lanterns, then that's why the Indigo Lanterns know so much about the Black and, you know, and everything else. I'm trying to remember, why, in, um, in Secret Origin, why was he taking Atrocitus to Earth? I think because he wanted to figure out a way to stop the Blackest Night. Okay, because, I mean, I don't... Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I want to say... Because, I mean, this... This was, like, like a big, like, emotional outburst from Sinestro, so I I don't know how inclined I am to take every single word at face value. Like, like I, I, I think we had the same thing with Atrocitus a few issues ago in Green Lantern. You know, it's... it's it, he just he just went off. Yeah, but Ganthet, who is he's like the most honest of all the guardians, is not denying it. Well, the the ha- I get the big question then is how would Abin have known? I mean, unless Ganthet or somebody told him about it, how would he have known? So Atrocitus doesn't know. There's no way that he. I don't think Atrocitus would have done all the stuff he did if he knew about this. Well, he definitely knew about the Blackest Night prophecy. Hmm. And he could have easily have been told about the massacre in Sector 666, which is where the Black Lantern battery arose. So, I don't know, like, I, well, okay, well, we still don't know about the, the massacre of Sector 666. We have no idea what... Like, why the Manhunters wiped out that entire sector. So, and that's something that, like, that's one of the main things that I really wanted to know for a really long time. And so, we still have no idea why that happened. We just know that there was some sort of quote-unquote glitch, and all the Manhunters went and wiped everybody out except for five inversions, and then the Guardians went and locked up those five on a planet. Hell, maybe it's in keeping with this. Maybe, maybe there's someone or some group of people in that sector somehow learned the truth about Earth, and the Guardians chose to sterilize the area. Oh man! In which case, that's how Abin Sir found out about the White Lantern, you know, the white the white entity. Or maybe that is that that now that you say it, that's probably why. They, they wiped out Sector 666. What do you think of the design of the white entity? Because <laughs> w- when I looked at it, the first thing it reminded me of was Pumpkinhead, that that movie monster. Well, it's humanoid. Yeah. It, it has, like, it has definite, like, angel overtones to it, too, with, like, the big wings around it. Right. But it looks gross at the same time. <laughs> I like how the the White Lantern symbol is its symbol on its chest. Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. It has kind of a halo on its head, too. Yeah, yeah. One of our uh, forumites mentioned how Sinestro, when he creates a giant yellow ring construct of himself to block 
Hal on his way to the uh, the White Entity. It's it's like it's a it's a construct of Sinestro in his Green Lantern costume. And that's another thing. Remember how before I said like the whole parallax in the Green Lantern issues kind of comes and goes without even showing his head in Blackest Night, so you wouldn't even know. Mm-hmm. Like right here, you've got paral uh, you got Hal trying to jump into the White Entity, and then Sinestro's yelling, "No, you had your chance with Parallax. This is mine." If you did, if you weren't reading Green Lantern right now, you would think that he was just talking about the first time Hal got possessed. So it's like it's not even like they put it in here, but in such a way that it doesn't matter if you don't know what he's talking about because you'll just think it's another thing. So I thought that was nicely done. Now, they summon the white entity from Coast City. This is a city where I mean, aside from a lot going on here. There was an entire, like, city wiped out back when Mongol and the cyborg Superman, you know, decided to crash an enormous ship into it. Well, they blew it up. Bomb. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, like, do you think that, I don't know, like, uh, there was a reason for that happening over Coast City? Or, you know, do you think it's correlated in any way? I don't know, but it it does seem I don't know if I want to say convenient or odd that it would just happen to be Coast City. I mean, look at what the city has been through. It it was eradicated, mm-hmm. and then it was rebuilt, and then it gained new life, and then it became the city without fear. So, like, I don't know if that has any. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's like maybe that was the site of something. Well, maybe that's the location where the Guardians were born. I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's why, why, um, uh, because they keep reinforcing with this visual of like Coast City with all its windows showing green in support of Green Lantern and how, how it's the city that can overcome fear and, and, was the Guardians are all about willpower, so I don't know. Maybe they're trying to suggest, like, like in this in a similar vein to to why you can summon the the white entity on Earth. You know, you can you can summon it easier if you're on this spot because this is the spot where life began. I I don't know. Mm. That's probably compl- that's probably wrong. I don't know. Did you catch the white emblem on page one? Oh, yeah, yeah. How they're dragging the guardians into the circle to make the uh, the symbol. Yeah. And we've talked about the symbol before, and it's it's just really cool. Like, it's, it's playing on, like, the whole life is a part of death thing. Because they took the Black Lantern emblem and turned it into a sunrise, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the little, uh, almost nail in the coffin to the guardians' purpose that was, um... You know, Necron asking, you know, why do you guard the universe? And the one guardian can only say, you know, I don't remember. It's like they've been at this for so long. They've been so set in their ways, so full of themselves, so self-absorbed for so long that they've just lost their purpose. (laughs) Except except for Ganthet. He's cool. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he's the only one that 
never lost emotion. I gotta tell you, I did not really care for the Lex Luthor stuff in here. Yeah. I mean, it was good, and it was enjoyable, and if it happened in Green Lantern 51 with the other Lex Luthor stuff, it would have been cool. But, like, this just was not what I wanted here. I'm like, I'm reading, and I'm like, all right, I know there's got to be more amazing stuff that could be going on right now. I don't really care about this scene. Right. And it's like, it's like they're trying to create more drama when you really don't need to. Because it's like, oh no, now Lex Luthor is taking people's rings. And oh no, he might kill Mara. Well, can, can we just deal with, like, death personified over there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. It's It really was a not necessary... Well, I mean, we say not necessary, but by the same token, like, I guess if they didn't do that, then we'd kind of be wondering, okay, well, you have Necron, and he's, like, you know, raising this white entity. How come, you know, the the Lanterns are, aren't doing anything? They're just sitting there watching him. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense for the power he has and everything. Yeah. But... I mean, and the infighting does again. It does make sense, and I'm I'm glad we got it at like when they first showed up with these rings. But it's like, ah, I don't know. I like the touch that Airwave was jamming John Stewart's communications. Yeah, well, he was he was jamming everybody's signal. That that was very cool. How about the uh, the two page spread with all the lanterns from the different cores? Nice. Still hate Stell's body, but, you know. <laughs> I like it. The, the one thing that I thought was a little, you know, could have been done a little bit better, on the uh, the bottom of the uh, the right page, there's some Sinestro Corps members that are colored in, like, kind of bluish indigo. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see that. Hey, Crib has her arm again. <laughs> oh, that's convenient. Oh, wait a second. No, she has... She has a uh, forearm. Well, she had forearms. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Silly crib. So she still has one arm missing. Now, the big question, because I see Zillia Zox up there. He's awesome. Right. Do you do you see the Rage Kitty on this page, on these pages? Do you? Yeah. I can't find him. Where is he? I didn't see him. He's right in front of uh, Zillius. Oh, he's the one that looks like a cat. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you got, uh... I feel better now. <laughs> you know, Hanu, you got, um... I don't know that guy. Graf Torin. Yeah, and, uh... Bodica? No, is that Bodica? Yeah. Oh. Alpha Lantern Bodica? Yeah. yeah. Right next to that awesome bird. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's Bleez. Yeah, this is an awesome spread. Yeah, I, I was basically just, like, making, like, the rounds through this thing to make sure they put in all the characters I like. I'm like, okay, there's Miri, there's Ceranic, okay, good so far. Yeah. Warth, woohoo! Yeah. What do you think of Kyle, you know, he keeps calling Ceranic Sora? I, this is the only, like, does he do that in Green Lantern Core too? Well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's why I, I was referencing it, because I forgot to mention it before. But he has been, he's been calling her that lately. Eh. I mean, I guess it's a natural thing. I mean, 
you 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 do you just do you shorten people's names sometimes, but I don't like how it sounds. Well, yeah, I mean, it it sounds like a completely different name. Yeah. is the problem. Well, there's that, and also, okay, it's you know he's calling her Sora, and now and Guy is in love with Tora. Oh God, <laughs> you know, it's, I don't know if they realize that or not. Eh, hopefully, it just won't happen much more. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. Oh, the uh, anti-monitor? Yes. And the Black Lantern battery? Yes. What do you think... Okay, two things. What do you think Dove's connection is, and what do you think is going to happen with the anti-monitor? Well, I think the anti-monitor is going to get out and step on a bunch of people. Um, <laughs> I still subscribe to the idea. I had a couple Blackest Night issues ago that... Dove showing up there was by design. It wasn't chance. And at first I thought, like, okay, maybe this is Necron maneuvering her into position for something. But now I'm like, okay, maybe... Because we we still know what her deal is with the white light, but, like, if this is the spot where you can summon the white entity, then maybe that's what was drawing her to Coast City. Because it seems like the closer she got to Coast City, like, all of a sudden, her, like, white energy aura dealie is firing all the time now. So it's, like, maybe it's, maybe it's like, the, the white entity itself, or... But she has, but she has a very strong reaction when, all of a sudden, the anti-monitor, he just talks, and that causes her pain. I saw, and this might be where you're going with it, but I saw Jason's post, I think it was, right. last night, how he's saying, you know what, what is, because Dove gets her power from the Lords of Order. Right. What if the Anti-Monitor is a Lord of Order? The whole, like, death is, you know, there, there's order there, like, nothing is chaotic until you have life running around, so... Maybe the anti-monitor is an avatar of order, thus Dove's link and Dove being drawn there. So, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a possibility. I don't know. What the? Yeah, Earth. Who 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 who's the big Hawk and Dove fan on our forum? Earth G Billy. Is he? I think he. I think that's him. What do you think? Tell tell us things. Tell us things we should know. <laughs> what do you think, Billy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I I felt a little disappointed. Because, as I recall, the last issue's issue ended with some blurb promising we get to see Black Hand cut loose. And all he really did was, like, make some barbed wire and have some hands rise up out of the ground. <laughs> so that kind of sucked. Yeah. You know what would be interesting? You and I was just thinking about this. We get to see the white entity. We haven't seen the black entity. Well, didn't you say... Because I thought we both kind of took it that Black Hand himself, like William Hand himself, is the Black Entity. Like, there's nothing inside him. You think? It's, it's him himself. Well, you thought too. That's what you said after we read the damn issue before Black as Night started. Oh. I don't know. I guess maybe I'm starting to rethink that a little. Like, maybe, like, Sinestro will punch Black Hand in the face and, like, it'll knock an Entity out of him or something. Possibly. Oh, there's another thing. Oh, well, two things. First, I thought it was kind of I was cool that Black Hand and Atrocitus recognized each other. Yes. Like a high school reunion. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but here's another thing. 
now that we have Sinestro as a White Lantern and one issue left, I think we basically know how the characters are going to get resurrected. Because if you got, you've got the, you got what I assume is the power of life. Okay. Right. You get, you gave it to the guy in the form of like a ring on his finger or whatever. And this guy is used to pointing rings at people and shooting them with its energy. I think what you're going to get is like, all right, uh, Black Lantern Aquaman's coming at me. Shoot him. Hey, Aquaman's alive now. Or some variation of that. Oh. Oh, God. Well, what if he shoots his energy at Necron? I mean, could he bring Necron to life? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. If he did, there better be a scene where, like, like Necron... It's like, he, he's just alive. And then he turns around, and the specter just snaps his fingers, smiling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be interesting. That would be a cool way to handle it. Did you read the, the Book of the Black? I did. <laughs> that, that, was, that was a good one. That was a good one, that. yeah. This one is for Avarice. Yeah, it's... Like, I've come to the conclusion, I want a Black Hand miniseries. That is by Johnson Monkey. I want it to be a series of one shots. And each one takes place a couple years after the other. Just about just about Black Hand's childhood. That 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 would be so Yeah. <laughs> creepy good. It's it's insane. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the thing that I was uh contemplating was you have the Black Hand now, and they've really done a lot to amp up his evilness, basically. Like, to, to make him a, a really, really, you know, solid bad guy. Like, I think, that, you know, for most villains in the DCU, like, if you really try, they can be redeemed one way or another. I think they may have taken the Black Hand to a point where there is no redemption for him. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty sure he's he's about there. Yeah. I I mean like the just like the motivations that they've set up for him, like he he doesn't ever and he never ever wanted to be associated with life. He's, you know, he's like the Anti Monitor, only worse. Because, you know, the Anti-Monitor at least teamed up with uh, Sinestro for a little while. So he was he was able to at least change his alliance somewhat. It's a, it's, it should say something. that like, I mean, realistically, Black Hand has not been in Blackest Night or Green Lantern in general very much at all in the last, like, like five years. Because, like, I mean, I, he had that one issue, for, like, what was it, 43 or something, bef- right before Blackest Night started. And he's been peppered throughout Blackest Night, like, like a page here and a page there over the last year. But he, like, re- really, he hasn't been around that much. But then they give you these Book of the Black entries, and it feels like he's a big, bigger part of this than he is. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I don't know. I wonder what's like if they're going to keep him like this, or if if they're going to knock him back to human. Oh, because Sinestro could do that. Yeah, too, maybe. Yeah, like oh well, maybe that's what happens. Maybe he'll 
um, make the black hand you like you know alive again, in which case the black entity would no longer be able to you know be be in him. What would be cool is if like, because if Sinestro has the power to resurrect people, which I'm kind of thinking he has to. Who will he not bring back? Because I mean, the Guardians. I I don't see him going out of his way to get them up and about. Yeah. Hell, what about? Uh, I don't. Well, depending on if he needs a body, you know, would he bring back Abin? Oh yeah, actually, Hebrew Lantern on the forums was uh, talking about that. Huh. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's a possibility. If the connection has already been severed, that that would be my only, you know, you know, question on that one. The only the thing that I was wondering is, I, I I just I almost feel like maybe Sinestro isn't going to be the White Lantern for very long. You mean Brightest Day won't be the the White Lantern Sinestro book? <laughs> well, I just I wonder if maybe you'll know, either. He's going to create like more members, or, or somehow it's going to get passed on to somebody else somewhere along the lines. Or there even will be one long term. Yeah. So, I mean, ah, uh, I I I can't see him staying it, staying like this permanently either. I mean, I almost want to call him like like their plot device machine to get. Blackest Night over and characters resurrected in one foul swoop, but like, not as negative as that. <laughs> it's like that, but positively. I just feel like like they're setting up like like there's too much for the Sinestro Corps to do still, you know, because his army still exists. He just went to all this trouble to become its leader again. They have to figure out what the hell is up with their own entity, you know. I don't think they take Sinestro away from that. Plus, it also takes away Sinestro from, the, like, the, I guess, the classic, you know, like, opposing forces with Hal Jordan kind of thing. Well, I mean, he could still oppose forces with Hal Jordan. It's just going to be different uh, different arguments. And for the Sinestro core, keep in mind that Mongol is still technically alive in the Yellow Power Battery. Yeah, well, that's another thing. Like, as... They have to deal with Mongol too. They're not gonna, they're not gonna take Sinestro away from that core. Mm-hmm. Plus, like, there you can't have Hal's like main villain, quote unquote, be imbued with the power of all life. Like that doesn't work. That doesn't really work as a villain. Like, like, all right, you want him to be imbued with the power of fear? Okay, that's a bad guy. Why not? <laughs> well, I mean, it could just be that they are setting him up to be like. You know, an anti-hero kind of character. Yeah, yeah he'll be yellow soon. Uh, you want to take a break? Okay. Okay. Now for this break, we have a song by the Roy Clark Method. Songs called Sector Two Eight One Four, and you can find them on GarageBand.com. <laughs>
magic green. It is the color green. It can do anything. Sometimes it speaks to me. It says, How? What have you done with your life? People around you keep dying. Use your will to right the wrong. And don't make us wait for too Like I own the place Do what the blue men say Wish they would go Chad Vocalman for giving us the heads up on that song. Yeah. It's about time knowing you pay it off. Uh, Chad the documentary guy. Yeah. Okay. Now let's play a voicemail. Well, I really hope this is the Lantern cast. This is Jeremy from Racine, Wisconsin. Um, there's a couple things I wanted to say. Uh, I was listening to one of your shows, and you were talking about how uh, you didn't like the art of a particular issue. Um, one thing that's a real big pet peeve of mine is when they draw the rings upside down. I just wanted to mention that. The other thing I wanted to mention was uh, I really hope when Brightest Day comes out that it's not some happy, friendly, oh, the white light shows up and all the other lanterns lose their powers and you have just like, I don't know, Hal Jordan or something become the White Lantern. And then you have like him and Alan Scott, and that would be it. And I just think that would be really annoying. Um, I'd like him to keep the other lanterns around. Um, as a side note, I wanted to mention that I was going to call this and leave my thing for the Aroba Silver contest, but I'm not still not sure this is the Lantern cast voicemail, and hopefully it is. Uh, you guys should really mention that or change the intro or something. Um, yeah, that's it. So, uh, awesome. Talk to you later. Bye. Yeah, are we getting Lauren to record our message or what? 
Eventually, yes. Yeah, so, Jeremy, you did, in, in fact, get in touch with the Lantern cast. <laughs> so, so good job there. Um, let's see, the first thing that he mentioned was the art pet peeves. Does that, uh, does that ever get on, get under your skin, that, you know, drawing the rings upside down? Well, I, I, I think this is what he's talking about, because it's, it's like, the, the shape is symmetrical, upside down, right side up, so I think he's getting that, is when they have it sideways, like the, the top and bottom bar of the lantern are on the left and right instead, and I've seen that, I've seen artists do that before. Really? Yeah. I don't know that I've noticed that. Well, how el- well? I mean, how could you really draw a Green Lantern emblem upside down then? Obviously, the Green Lantern one, not so much, but for the other rings, like absolutely. Oh, have they done that? I haven't noticed then. Well, like right on the cover of uh, Legion of Superheroes number one, that's going to be coming out. They have the Legion ring upside down. Oh yeah, that that sprang to mind absolutely. But I was thinking, I was thinking, turn rings or or uh, emotional spectrum rings, we can call them. Yeah, I'm sure that they have somewhere along the lines. Yeah, but I mean, uh, yeah, it's just in general that kind of thing is a kind. Of, it's just a little detail that should be a given that they would get right. You know, it's like it's like how every now and then you'll get a coloring mistake where you know. Hal Jordan's boots are white instead of green, and that always bugs the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really focus on that stuff too much. I, I suppose, I suppose it's possible that if I noticed it, it would probably get to me. But I typically just don't notice it. Now it's all you'll look at. It's all you'll <laughs> see. As far as the other thing, well, I. I think after reading uh, Blackest Night number seven, we, we know that's not going to happen. Yeah. As for the other cores going away, I, it's, it's a given we'll have the Green Lantern core because they went to so much trouble to bring it back. They're not getting rid of the other cores. They've they've done too much to set up, you know, post-Blackest Night sub... Uh, not even subplots, but post-Blackest Night plots that require the other cores. So they're going to be around. Yeah, I honestly, I'm more I'm more interested now in the stories coming after Blackest Night than I am in the end of Blackest Night. <laughs> yeah, they've they've been putting in some some nice little teasers here and there, so it it should be interesting. I I can't wait to. What do you say we tackle an email, Dan? All right, uh, I got one from Sean Coppins. This one was cool. He says, my LCS has these Green Lantern buttons. They come in all colors except yellow. I don't know why. I chose orange because I am one greedy fella. A lady the other day, this is a good part, a lady the other day asked what it meant, and I said it was for the church I go to. When she asked me the name of it, I replied, the Church of Larflees. She just gave me a blank look. It was awesome. You guys rock. <laughs> and he has a picture attached of him just sitting in the car wearing a a uh, orange lantern emblem pin on his his uh, lapel. <laughs> it's just awesome. That is awesome. I saw that. That that was that was really cool because I just you know you get this, this email out of the blue and 
Yes. Here, there he is with his little orange lantern pin. That was very, very cool. I love that he told someone it was his religion. That's like the best. <laughs> the Church of Larflees. That's sharp. I like that. That'll end up in so many signatures on our forum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. There can be a holy war between them and the Loranites. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, if you're not on the forums, you, you really need to check it out. It's It's so much fun. It's down right now. <laughs> when it's up... Way it's so much fun. <laughs> Way to dangle the carrot and then take it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe when you go, listeners, it'll be up already. Man. Oh God! If the forum's down by the time this episode goes up, like I'm just gonna be going through like you know, complete withdrawal. Oh man. It'll be up in like two. <laughs> the episode will go up in two days. I think they'll have to fix. I hope so. Um, I got an email now. Uh, an email from Jacob Morer, Jacob on the forums. Greetings, Lanterncasters. I'm finally breaking down and emailing you with a question for the podcast. I was wondering what conventions other than Super Show that you'll be going to this year, and if you dress up for any of them. Keep up the amazing work. You're by far one of my top two favorite podcasts. You only compete with CGS for the top spot. Thanks for the wonderful podcast, Jacob. So we kill CGS. And we're number one. There you go. Flawless logic. That's what I was thinking too, actually. <laughs> oh, God. We're terrible people. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, CGS is awesome. And to be number two to CGS is like... It's actually pretty insane. Yeah. Oh, yes. So, have you ever dressed up for a convention? I've never dressed up in a costume. Typically, I will dress up in my geek clothing. When I met you at New York, you were wearing, like, a collared shirt, like you were hanging out at, like, Starbucks or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was when I had just kind of, like, started getting into wearing collared shirts and stuff like that. And uh, it was just fun to wear. Sad. That makes me sad. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, like, typically when I go to to a convention, it's, uh, you know, some sort of superhero t-shirt with a, like, a, this really nice button-down superhero collared button-down shirt over it. That's, that's what I do. I'm the guy who can never think of anything good for Halloween, let alone a convention. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, so many years in a row now. My friends, I've known that my friends do things for Halloween every year. Okay. So, every single year, they, they're they like, at the door. They're like, hey, we're outside. Come on, we're going to a Halloween party. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I throw something together right then on my way out. <laughs> and it's always something terrible. If I had, like, like the self-confidence to go to a convention in a costume... Which I'm sure would be perfectly fine once you're in the convention, but, like, traversing <laughs> a city or town to get there would probably be a different story. But, like, I just I just don't have... I don't know what I would do to make it. I, I don't know how to make it either, because if you go to any of, like, these cosplay sites or just look for pictures of people in convention costumes and whatever, yeah. these, these people are really 
Yeah, if this is involved, this is a really involved thing. I mean, it doesn't ha- it doesn't have to be granted, but it's it's just insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as an actual costume, I don't I don't even know who I would go as because if I'm gonna go as anybody, it's got to be somebody that like has something you know some sort of basic look similar to mine. Like I'm not gonna go as Thor because I don't have blonde hair. I don't have like you know rippling muscles all over my body it would be funny though you should get you should get like a hammer prop and you should like make like the hat you know with the wings on it and like you should wear you should you should like just like go like like cut the sleeves off a white t-shirt and like spill some mustard on or something and just walk around and just say i'm thor and just keep it'll be great i i think it would probably be more likely if i dressed up as thor but if I dressed up as Frog Thor. There you go. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, for... There was, a, there was a point where I actually considered, like, dressing up as, uh... The Starman. The, was it Jack Knight Starman? I actually had that thought before, too, for, like, a Halloween costume. Because yeah. it seems like it would be easy enough. Like, if you can find, like, a leather jacket and some goggles that look like they're, like, old-timey goggles... Yeah. Uh, easy enough. Yeah, just make the staff. But, uh, I mean, like, I've seen a lot of costumes of, you know, people doing that really, really well. And, you know, it's like they, they've done it and it comes out so well. And I don't know that I could do as good a job, you know, without, like, using a whole lot of effort. So, <laughs> I'll pretty much get good to just leave that alone. What about like, just creating a Green Lantern costume. Like, not basing it off a specific character or anything. Just saying, like, like, alright, this is this is what Jim Ford would wear if Jim Ford got inducted into the Green Lantern Corps. I actually, yeah, I actually made a costume like that for Halloween one year. And, like, you know, it's funny because you said you came up with your costume out, like, the last minute. That's exactly what I ended up doing. Didn't you like, guys, like, realize. a scientist or something instead well no no that was that was this year like i just went as a mad scientist but yeah there was one year where i had a a green shirt and i i cut the sleeves off the green shirt and i had like a white shirt that i never wore so i just you know started cutting that up i cut the like the the stencil for the green lantern design so you know in a circle and glued it together (laughs) Made a, a mask out of, like, the green foam that I just happened to have for some strange reason. And wore black jeans. And I was Green Lantern. So, I, I mean, like, I have done that before. I conceivably may do it again in the future, but not anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, it seems like that thing where, like, if you really wanted to, you could go through, like, like a thrift store and just, like, get, like... Because that's the beauty of, like... If you look at the characters that are Green Lanterns in the books, that you can incorporate any element or article of clothing you want. Just play around with it and just make sure there's a Green Lantern emblem somewhere and you can be like a Green Lantern. So like like you can really it doesn't you can play to your body type, you can play to what kind of clothes you like to wear normally anyway. So yeah. Dan, you can go as Blue Lantern Worth. Dan? No, yeah, I'm trying to think how to come back to that. 
it went completely silent, like you had hung up or something. Show's over. Click. Um, what you call it? Now, the other aspect of this email is uh, other shows that will be going to this year. Hmm. Yes. I will be going to New York Comic Con. I'll obviously be going to Super Show, and chances are that's gonna be it. I'm basically the same. I'm well. I'm absolutely going to Super Show. I mm-hmm. uh, well, I guess it's a con. I'm I'm gonna count it as a con. I'm going to Wild Pig because. Wild Pig Comics, they've they've been doing like every like twice a year this fifty percent off deal. Their their comics are in New Jersey. They're they're closing. Actually, they've already closed. The store is closed because the the guy who owns it, Chris, he's he's like teaching full time, and he and his wife are adopting some kids. I think. Oh wow! So you know the retail life thrown in there doesn't really mix well. So what they're doing instead. Is twice a year he's gonna rent out the um the uh I forget I always forget what you call it the free space hotels have sometimes like okay. that room in there and he's gonna be holding like the wild pig con where it's gonna be the same thing as a sale except it's gonna be in like a space twice as big as the store was so <laughs> and like there's there's a cover charge of five bucks but you know you'll still get like the like, they ran this deal where if you go in and you say you heard about it on Comic Geek Speak, you get $5 extra off. So, like, you can get it back just as easily. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm counting that. I think that's in May. So I'm going to go to that. And it's right by where the store was. So you can right. look up wildpickcomics.com. Um, I, I really, really want to go to New York. I'm thinking I might have to play that by ear, though. Because my best friend Beth, the one who who didn't get to make it to your wedding, right? She is actually getting married the Saturday before the New York Comic Con. So I'm absolutely taking off for that. I just have to see if I can get like the following Saturday <laughs> off too. <laughs> oh man, come on! You have to be able to get off two Saturdays in a row just for that stuff. I know, I know, but you know it may come down to the wire, as in like you know, am I going or not? But I'm I'm planning on going. I'm planning on going. Put in for it now. I yeah, I know, I am. Um, other than that, I was considering going, trying to make it to Mocha for for a day. Oh right, yeah, I'll definitely be going to that again. Yeah, because I haven't gone in a few years, mm-hmm. and like. Because like I went to SVA and there's like a lot of SVA people that make it there every year and I haven't seen a lot of people in a long time so I was thinking like just make it down on like Sunday or something just to like see people for a few hours. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely a cool con. It was it was great because like like I mean considering the fact that pretty much everything I read is DC. You you wouldn't think like a small a strictly small press show would have anything of interest to me, but there's just like this great energy at Mocha, you know. It's it, it, you you wander to someone's table, talk to them about their book, and depending on who it is and what it is, like like I found one of my favorite books at Mocha. It was it was just like a one volume, one and done story. <laughs> yeah. And I've never seen that cartoonist again. I don't know if he did anything else, but 
it was great. And it was it was just like a really good, just really good show, a really good experience. Yeah, I I ended up going with my buddy Eric, who actually it's Best Buy parking lot Eric. Oh yeah. And yeah, it was the first time I went last year, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. They had there's so much stuff. Like if you go through the entire MochaCon and like are not able to find anything that interests you, then I mean like you have to walk through again in this time with your eyes open. <laughs> Uh, so, I think we have one more voicemail. Hey guys, it's Chad. I was just giving you a call. Uh, I had a thought. You've got uh, all this stuff with Blackest Night is supposedly being centered. The battle is being centered on Earth. And you've got Jon Stewart heading to Earth. And behind him is not only a whole army of Black Lanterns, but the resurrected planet of Zanshi itself. And for all intents and purposes, let's just say Zanshi is like a Black Lantern Mogo. So not only do you have Earth there, but you have Zanshi there as well. And if if Mogo is getting transported with the rest of the Green Lanterns that are in uh, the Green Lantern Corps issue number 45, you'll have Zanshi, Earth, and Mogo in roughly the same area. Now, while a Zanshi versus Mogo fight would be awesome, don't you think that would wreak havoc with the gravity in the area? You know, one planet pulling the other out of its orbit or going into each other. What what would happen if Zanshi, Mogo, and Earth all collided? Blackest Night is over and everyone gets a ring and... There's the end of the DCU as we know it. Just a thought. I thought it was funny. You put three planets in the same spot and nothing's supposed to happen, just the intergalactic battle and it's all good. Just wondering. All right, bye. Chad's a positive thinker. (laughs) How should we end Blackest Night? Let's kill everyone. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's an awesome Blow up the earth. Awesome voicemail. I was thinking about that, because that always came up. You know, Mogo cannot go to Oa, because gravity would do this and that. And I, I was thinking about what just happened in Green Lantern Corps. Yeah. And and how, like, Mogo apparently has complete control over his own gravity. Because, like, yep. he was... Even before he acted, he was sitting right next to Oa, and nothing was happening. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure, I'm sure there were some really high waves. On what? Oh, it doesn't have water. Come on. It doesn't? I don't think it does. It probably has water. Oh, why would it need water? Because it's Oa. It's not a reason. (laughs) All I'm saying is that if there are oceans on Oa, that it was probably a really good time to go surfing. You know, you also said last time that Oa has traffic lights. And someone on our Facebook thinks that's stupid. So there. <laughs> uh, oh, that's what that comment was referring to. The one where he yelled, traffic lights? Are you kidding me? What, what did you think he was talking about? <laughs> you know, I after we record, my brain basically forgets everything that we talked about. 
Well, it kind of has to to make room for new stuff because you go off on like 8 million theories every time. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, Richard Yee. Traffic lights? Really? What colors? Green, green, and green? <laughs> that would be such like a glaring error too because like, okay, you're back in the days where tra- where the the energy was still weak on yellow. Okay. The traffic light's sitting there doing its thing. All of a sudden, it gets to the yellow part. Now there's yellow light coming out. Dissolves the thing holding the traffic light up. Just falls onto Oa's surface. <laughs> burns a hole through to the core of the planet. The planet explodes. No more Green Lantern core. The universe is fucked. That's oh, all because Jim had to have his damn traffic lights. Well, maybe it's like the lights go from light green to dark green. <laughs> <laughs> what is what is that? Jade Nas Vermillion. That means we slow down. <laughs> That's awesome. I would should, love that. Should we stop? No, no, it's not forest yet. <laughs> God. Oh. That's perfect. Oh my god. What else did he say? Like I'm I'm still hoping that Zanchi is alive, quote unquote, air bunnies. You know, I I, I wanna see Zanchi fight Mogo. Because we still, we have not yet seen something of the awesomitude of that's right I said awesomitude of Mogo fighting a city yet in Blackest Night and we have a Black Lantern planet unless they're gonna keep the Black Lantern planet around after Blackest Night which I don't think they will oh, it would be awesome but I want to see Mogo and I want to see Mogo and this planet trash talking each other is what this comes down to I don't even care if they fight uh, Dan I just have one question what. What are air bunnies? <laughs> what are air bunnies? You know when you do like the air quotes with your two fingers? Yeah. Do that right now. Are you doing it right now? Yeah. Look at your fingers. They look like like a little like rabbit ears. No. It's like rabbit ears. What the hell kind of childhood did you have? <laughs> not not one with air bunnies. That that yeah, yeah. Yeah, explains a lot. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think we're pretty much done. How did you never hear the term air bunnies? What the Never hell? heard of it ever. Ever? Until right now? Yes, that's the first time ever. Anyone who's listening, write in if you've heard of air bunnies before this moment in podcasting history. Oh, boy. Um, uh, so, let's see. Um, What do we have? We got nothing else. Oh, we got that one other voicemail. Mm. Creepy one. Oh, yeah, well, let, let's save that for next time. But, but... It's going to fit in well with the other one. The, the two by Fester. Oh, did he do the one on Absolute Justice? Yeah, yeah, so... Which which you still didn't watch, you right. jerk. Okay. God damn. Oh, 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 before we end... We touched on this a little, but in a other whatever. <gasps> Crisis on Two Earths. Yes. You you saw it. I own it. You me too. You loved it. I didn't love it. No, definitely I not. I loved it. <laughs> this was this was amazing. Yeah, absolutely not. I think it was fun. I thought it was creative, but. Whenever I buy these things, I always basically am buying it because of its Green Lantern factor. And, 
you know, I, I'm always a little disappointed because Green Lantern in, in these movies is basically just like, he's like a placeholder. It's like they put him in there, you know, because he should be in there, but he has, you know, a very small role. Hey, right, here's why you're wrong. I don't think <laughs> I don't think anybody on the Justice League in this movie had like like there was no star in this movie. It was like I don't think anybody had any more or less to do than anybody else. No, no, because Superman was definitely like a deciding factor in some of the battles. Wonder Woman definitely got some cool screen time, especially with the Invisible Jet. Batman obviously had, you know, a, de- a nice size amount of screen time. Flash had those cool moments with Batman. Martian Manhunter had some awesome moments with the president's daughter. Boy, what what cool moments? The only cool moment with Flash and Batman I can think of is when Batman stole his pretzel. Well, yeah, there was that moment at the beginning where it's like, you know, Batman, you know, doesn't, uh, you know, he, he was going to try that on me. It's like, I don't think he likes me. And it's like, no, Batman was just joking. And then at the end, which we weren't, we're not going to give the ending away. Yeah. But, you know, that whole interaction, you know, he definitely got some some of the focus. And, and like I said, Martian Manhunter with the president's daughter. Green Lantern was just kind of like there. He didn't really have any, like, moments at all. Uh, you're coming at this from the approach of, I'm a Green Lantern fan. Ergo, I want to buy this movie and see awesome Green Lantern things in it. Where it's like, it's a no. Justice League... No, because, like, look, look... You just said that's what you did! Well, I always am looking for something cool, but if it was, like, if there was something cool, like, all of a sudden Green Lantern does something awesome with his ring, you know, and it turns the tide in one of the battles or something like that, then, you know, that would make me be like, oh, awesome, that's cool. Like, they showed Green Lantern in a cool light. No pun intended. He was doing... Alright, after, like... How many... After, like, years and years of Green Lantern on television being, like, essentially the guy who shoots laser beams, we got to, we got to see him throwing all sorts of constructs around. We got to see... It, it, it was just... It was, it was cool. It was fun. And, like, one of the things I really like about this movie... It's how, like, it assumed that you go in knowing a lot, but it's not in any way a bad thing. Because, like, okay, this movie didn't spend any time explaining to you who the Justice League is, because you ju- you just know. This, these are iconic characters, the, na- the team name has been out there forever. You go into this, you understand who the Justice League is, alright? And then it also spent basically no time explaining who the the crime syndicate is either because you don't need to as long as you know who the justice league is then you look at the crime syndicate for two seconds and you get them you're like okay evil justice league evil version of the justice league go and you can just like jump right in and even like the whole like the whole multiverse thing that's a concept that's been in pretty much every entertainment medium ever so like they they don't go in depth into trying to hold your hand with it until it becomes vital to the bad guy's plan. So it's like, like I felt I felt like this movie could have gone in such a different way and gone so much slower and so much just just like treated the audience like they were dumb 
and it just it just hit the ground running. It was just a fun ride all the way through. There there were definitely parts that I did really like, and and actually I watched it with Lauren, and and she she thought it was good. She she thought it was you know decent. She had a couple of questions, but for the most part, she you know she got everything that was going on. Um, no, like like you said, there were definitely some cool elements, like the whole like the plot of the the whole thing was was very cool. It was a you know a neat idea. The the whole character of Owlman was was great. Like you know James Woods did a fantastic job there. Absolutely. Um, the I I wasn't now okay. I like Mark Harmon on NCIS. I I think you know he's a cool character. It's a cool show. You know I'm I'm down with that. I don't watch it all the time, but if it's on, maybe I'll watch it. He he's not Superman. He does not have the voice for Superman. I don't I don't understand why they made him Superman. I think I do. Cause, and, and and I didn't think about that cuz all right, when I was watching it, I I didn't have a huge problem with it, but it was a little especially at the beginning when you first hear it, it's a little weird. Yeah. But I was listening to CGS, I don't know what episode. I've been catching up in a random order. And I think it was Peter Rios who pointed out Superman's from Kansas. It's like it it kind of makes sense that he would have like a little little bit of like an a- the accent that Mark Harmon brings to it. And I I thought about it. I'm like I yeah. And um, like I and I just started to appreciate it a little bit more. I'm like okay, that works for me. Yeah. But like it's Superman. And Superman should always have the confidence of Superman when he's talking. And in this, it just sounded like, you know, it almost sounded like uh, like an uninterested drawl that he was, you know, talking with. Instead of, you know, you know, I'm Superman and we have to take care of this because we are superheroes. And I was like, it was like, well, it's our job, you know, Batman. We have to take on this this role and you know save these people. Oh, my! If if Superman had like this big bombastic thing to his voice every time he spoke, it would sound terrible. Well, not that he had to be like you know, big, not like he had to sound like an announcer announcing what's going to be happening on Superman next episode. But you know, like Tim Tim Daly from the animated Superman. You know, like, that that was a perfect Superman voice. Are you going to be one of those people who wishes they got the voice actors from, like, Justice League or whatever? You know, I, I can take that or leave that. I mean, it's a big, bigger budget. They want the bigger names. I can understand that. So, you know, if, if everybody else isn't going to be the same, then, okay, whatever. You got to do what you got to do. But, and, and I think for everybody else, I really, I, you know, I didn't really have a problem. I thought Ultraman, the casting for Ultraman was good. Yeah. Uh, Flash was great. Um, didn't have a problem with Wonder Woman, Ultra Woman. Martian um, Manhunter was cool. Martian Manhunter was great. I, in fact, I think I, I really, you know, did just like just about everybody except for the voice of Superman. What did you think of Batman? Because that was the. I mean, I should go. On, I've gone on record enough times saying that. I I want these projects to have different voice actors because I want them 
if you're going to give me a, an animated project that's not related to the DC animated universe we've had, I want the voice actors to be different so it's not tied to it. That's like to me that's one of the things like like I watched Superman Batman Public Enemies and while that was a bad movie in its own right, probably the, my least favorite thing about it was that it carried over voice actors. Oh, it did. It did. For Superman and Batman, it did. Oh. It took me right out of it. I hated that. Um um but yeah, no, and Kevin Conroy is fantastic Batman. He's just not this Batman. So, but like I I forget who they got. Was it like one of the Baldwins voice Batman in this thing? Oh yeah. And like his voice, like like it grew on me cuz I watched this movie twice in two days and the second time through i didn't have a problem with it but the first time through it just it was kind of off-putting um yeah i i didn't uh i wasn't i wasn't as put off as i was about superman plainly put like i think if you're gonna do the voice of superman there there's just like there's something that's expected of you and i i didn't really feel that this this delivered. Oh, I mean, this was also for the most part. It was Superman around his friends. He wouldn't automatically act exactly the same way amongst the Justice League in their downtime as he would if he was trying to to inspire a group of like civilians or soldiers or police or whatever. I mean, you can justify it any way you like it, but I didn't dig it. Mm. Whatever. I mean, at the end of the day no matter what, this is the only time we're going to see this voice cast assembled to do these characters, so... Well, most likely, because you never know. They, like, this This could be, you know, the start of the Crisis line, and they'll do more Crisis stories and eventually lead to Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's, first, first of all, that's presuming a hell of a lot. Secondly, you know, say they do do another Crisis... <laughs> I said doo-doo... <laughs> It's going to be based off of a different story, so they, they're not necessarily going to go with the same animation or the same voice actors or the same interpretations of the characters. I mean, they pulled largely from uh, Grant Morrison and Frank Whiteley's JLA Earth 2 hardcover from the 90s for this. Right. yeah. And, all right, so if maybe they'll go for... You know, it like okay, they they'll do Crisis on Infinite Earths, which means they're going to be pulling from the work of like Marv Wolfman and George Perez, which you it's it's different. It's a different interpretation of the characters. Yeah, but if the the, the problem with that is if you put out Justice League Crisis on Two Earths, and then you put out you know DC Crisis on Infinite Earths, then chances are the people that bought Crisis on Two Earths are going to be like, oh, it's like a continuation kind of thing. And, like, regardless of whether or not they, you know, go and buy these these different movies and expect a different cast, they're, they're kind of going to be expecting that it's a continuation. I mean, you can't, like, whether or not it's fair to to expect that, you can't expect that there are going to be a lot of people that won't make that connection, is what I'm saying. I know, but at the same time, like, look how often... I mean, them changing voice actors, or sometimes even 
actors in live action shows mm. from season to season or I mean I mean the animated Superman from like the the you know the Superman cartoon to Justice League to Justice League Unlimited that was not the same guy all the way through they had like three different guys playing Superman I just sat down I watched um I watched the entire Justice League slash JLU cartoon pretty much back to back to back to back over the last month and I'm trying to think who it was. I can't remember though. Like there's like Red Tornado was one, there was other there was plenty of characters that had recurring roles that were just blatantly voiced by completely different people from one appearance to the next. Yeah, but you know, that's you're dealing with, you know, a cartoon with like minor characters that you know, don't have, like, big names attached to their voices. And a movie that's straight to DVD with James Woods as one character, Mark Harmon as another, or Baldwin as another, you know, it's... I'm just I'm just saying that the level of expectation is going to be there for, you know, the, the general populace if they make another crisis movie. Also assuming that the person that jumps on first with the next crisis movie even knows that there was one before. That's true. I don't know. I think it'll be fine. I mean, there's definitely potential to keep going with this interpretation just be, just for, like, all of the characters they threw in that you didn't expect. I don't know if you want to spoil them here or not. <laughs> no, let's, let's not. But, like, there's there's a lot more people in this than just the uh, the big six of the Justice League. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. They could, but I don't know. I don't see that. I kind of like these directed DVD movies being one shots, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. So, I don't know. Would you tell people to buy it? I probably wouldn't tell them to buy it, but you know, I would definitely say rent it. It's definitely worth renting. I will tell them to buy it twice. This this was my favorite of the line of DC directed DVD movies that they've done so far, and this was my favorite when you lump in the Marvel directed DVD movies too. <laughs> um well yeah, one of the reasons why I think uh the the story was was really good was because it was written by Dwayne McDuffie. Yeah, and we should say this was also a Bruce Tim pr- uh produced thing too, so mm. Oh, what was that? What? You were like I was like Bruce Tim, you're like, hmm Yeah, I was agreeing with you. Oh, the sound like a oh I don't like him thing. Oh no, Bruce Tim, come on! I know that's why I was like, what? Uh, anyway, okay, we definitely got to uh, close this episode down. Yeah, all right, let's be done. Okay, so if you want to email us, you can email us at lanterncast at gmail dot com. We all have our own individual emails as well jim dan or jason at lanterncast.com jason being our program director you can go to our website lanterncast.com there we have links to our forum and also our facebook page so friend us on facebook and join up to the forum so you can take part in a lot of really really awesome discussion like lately it's it's actually been like pretty much exploding a lot a lot of people have been posting so, it's 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 fun. It's like a lantern party, green lantern party. 
when it's working. Yes. Our voicemail line, if you'd like to drop us a line, is 206-600-7357. You can find us on iTunes, and you can leave us a review there. That's always awesome. So send us an email, leave us a voicemail, write us a review, friend us on Facebook, and join up with the forums, and that's about it. Yeah. And... We're going to be at Super Show. You can come hang out with us in person. That's like the end of this month, the 27th and 28th in Reading, Pennsylvania, March. There'll be all sorts of cool stuff at our table. There'll be like rings to give away. I better remember to pack those. (laughs) There'll be (laughs) rings. There will be... um, Hopefully a Red Lantern battery to auction off. Yeah, there'll be that. Um, And... Plus a whole bunch of other people, too. At our table? No, around the whole convention. Oh, I thought, I'm like, who's going to be at our table? What the what? hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, come to Super Show, hang out with awesome people. They they're love comics, they love the stuff you love, so that means you love them, too. Mm-hmm. So, do it. And Jason will drive you around. Because <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's the Super Chauffeur, which is his punny term that he coined, which, you know, works nicely. He's he's uh, renting out a van, and he is going to be shuttling people back and forth from the airport to the convention center all weekend. I, you know, find him on the forum for, you know, scheduling details. And, you know, just come on out to Reading, Pennsylvania, and have a good weekend. Definitely. So, I guess that's it. Yep, we're out. So long, and next time we will have contest results, most definitely. For reals this time. Yes. Ever have to hear my voice?